Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Welcome back to Life to the Full podcast. It is the Zitos. So if you are I'm not editing, I'm keeping this. What? If you are joining us for the very first time, welcome to our podcast. As you heard the trailer already, we're now in our fourth season, which is embracing the journey. Uh, if you want to go back to the other three seasons we've done, we started in the pandemic era of the spring 2020. Are we still in the pandemic era? Well, yeah, well, a year after. Is it a year anniversary? Whatever this they call is, uh, it. year 26 of the pandemic <laughs> of 2020. I don't know why you're doing that voice. But um, our first uh, season was uh, L. So it's all for life. So the L is for listening and staying curious. That was in the spring. Then summer, the I was for increasing our vulnerability. The fall was the F for facing our responsibilities. And now you are here with us in the winter on the E for embracing our journey. And Jimmy has been on a super long. No, it's been super, super short. Long series. Actually, no, I've been saying it wrong. It's not those four things are seasons. There we go. What are you calling them? Uh, I had called them series, but they're oh, seasons, right? Seasons, so in every yeah. season, we have series. And for this one, we we landed in one. It is called Journey into Scripture. I believe we're in part 119. Jeez. <laughs> it is not 119. It's short journeys into Scripture. We're looking at the Bible like a place we get to explore together. Yeah. Preferably or on your own. Uh, and it's like you're going into an undiscovered country or a country that you're not familiar with. It's like a whole right. new place. And we are taking three short journeys <laughs> as examples well, of field first trips. Well, the was about four parts. That was so short compared to what it could have <laughs> been. I don't hear any of you complaining. Uh, and if you do complain, please send your, your emails to Patty at <laughs> Patricia. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But you know, I'm very proud of you, honey. You actually have the right episode on the screen. If I, you I do, are, I do my best. <laughs> if you are joining us, we have a YouTube channel. So this you is can, an amateur hour here. You can uh, see old Jimmy <laughs> slides in our YouTube channel that is called Life to the Full Podcast. It took me to the last episode to get it right. But... Yeah. So we're in episode 44, Journey to Scripture, part seven. Very good, honey. Part seven, pros discord. Oh, and I spelled it wrong. It's okay, we could discourse. go. <laughs> I made it like Latin. That's all right. Pros discourse. Uh, we are looking for a team later this year. So if you love to edit and tell people that they're wrong. If you love to correct Jimmy, <laughs> I 
I know a lot of enlifters who will be perfect at this. Well, I'm thinking one person loves to correct you and me. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So anyway, so what's uh what's for this uh season? We're gonna I'm go sorry, series. Well, no, for this episode. Okay, this episode you're is right. a short journey into Paul, and it is literally a short journey. Awesome. I think I've reduced this to one episode. Nice. We'll see when I get talking. Maybe we need to do two. Split this one in half, but we'll see. All right. I think we can do it in one. Okay. Uh, it depends on the sun starting to go down here at the Zito Superstar Studios. And as the sun tends to go down, so does the patty. <laughs> she rises and sets with the sun. <laughs> like I have a, a little bit of a sore throat. Like so, a sunflower. Um, I may not be talking, although I've probably done 80% of the talking so far. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> All right. So we're getting into Paul. Are you excited mm-hmm. to get into Paul? Yeah. You like Paul? I like Paul. Paul. Mm-hmm. Paulie. Paulie. I, I uh, did have a mentor uh, in Springfield College. His oh, name was yeah. Paul. Paul Katz. Paul Katz. Wow. You said full oh, name in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not to supposed Paul to say Katz. that? No, he's fine. Oh, okay. He's fine. I just think it's a cool name. He's like such a cool cat. Mm. <laughs> but they spell their name like fancy with a Z, right? Mm-hmm. So it's Very really good. It's really Katz. You met him. Uh, I didn't meet him in person. No. Oh, you met Susan. I met Susan. Dr. Joel. Dr. Joel. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Yes, yes, Susan. All right. So what's going on with, with the letters of Paul? So we're getting into the letters of Paul. So Paul at first seems like the most accessible part of scripture. Uh, but in many ways, it is the most inaccessible part of scripture. I think if you go into any different church, any given Sunday, you're most likely, especially in more of our tradition, like actually, if you go into like a Protestant, like not a Protestant, sorry. If you go into like a Lutheran or a Presbyterian or a more traditional uh, church, more ecumenical, oh, if wow. you will, okay, uh, you actually will hear more of the entire Bible. But if you walk into like a Stone Campbell movement, church like we're a part of church of christ evangelical uh protestant like like who you think would be like a reformed protestant right here in in the americas Mm -hmm. you're most likely to hear paul exclusively preach Mm -hmm. now a lot of people push back on that they're like no we we preach the gospel that's what we do uh we preach the whole bible but the facts seem to speak for themselves I think we talked about this at the beginning of in, uh, point of view in church history. We did talk about it in point of view. We talked about it in church history, but even the beginning of this uh, season or series of journey into scripture, okay. uh, we did talk about like, you know, the, according to, I think, biblestudy.com, the most searched for scriptures pretty much always come from Paul. Mm, There's okay. like a prophet here or there, something from the old Testament, but by and large, what gets most searched in their sites are the letters of Paul. Okay. Which, you know, an evangelical or someone from our tradition will tell you, well, you know, Paul's a big deal. It makes up like, you know, most of the New Testament, which, yeah, I, I can, I can see that there's a big chunk of it. It's, it's from the New Testament. Um, you know, there's are these things called the gospels too, but in terms of like overall Bible, like whatever you have, you know, that you usually carry around of yourself, like my trusty NIV 1984 you love right here. To say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's wrong with that? I, I don't know why the 1984 emphasis. Because they 
they did a refresh in 2011. Doesn't everyone call it that? No. No. First time I hear from you. No. Okay. Quite often. But you know what? Back to your Bible. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it really doesn't make up that much of the Bible itself. It's a very small part. Um, these are what you would call occasional letters. So it wasn't, as we'll talk about Paul sitting down to write, you know, systematic theology, or this is what I think of hmm. about Jesus. Like he wasn't like looking to like write down something that was going to last forever or be instructive for people throughout the ages. He was writing to specific groups of people for specific purposes. Um, but there is a tendency to generalize him. He feels like he's the most familiar. He feels like he's a, he's a dude I can relate to. We could go have a beer together mm-hmm. and we could talk about JC. Right? The rapper? No, Jesus Christ. Oh, JC as in cat. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about what letter writing was like in the ancient world before we get too crazy. Right? Letter writing in the ancient world. Um, it's very important. Letter writing in the ancient world was very important for running any type of large organization back then or a group of people. Right? There was no email. There was no text. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was no Twitter. There was no phone. No TikTok. There's no phone. There was no, none of that. Mm-hmm. So I think you say it to most people and they'll go, well, duh, of course. Right? But if you think about the implications of that, if you think about even like the Roman empire itself, how big it was, right? Or any group back then that was bigger than like a city, you needed a way to kind of keep people all on the same page, right? And letter writing was basically the way you did it. And because of that, because of either limitations of the technology or the way technology is used, because letter writing is a form of technology in itself, uh, there's some things you have to keep in mind that we'll talk about that might change some things when we go in and we try and deal with Paul. Um, you know, we're like, oh, I get letters. I get letters every Christmas. I get a card from, you know, some people, they tell me what they're doing. You know, it's like, well, it's, it's a little different than that, right? You know, we've all written letters. We've all had to write letters in school. I guess maybe not the Gen Xers. I hope the millennials wrote letters. You know, a lot of people can't even like write script anymore. They can't even read it. They can't read it because it's so used to like type things. Being yeah, typed. yeah. Like I write scripts. Sometimes I leave letters for for people, like oh. you know, I, I like work or whatever, and oh. they're like, I can't read this. Can you tell me what you were trying to tell me? <laughs> I'm like, whoa. All right. So there are some common misconceptions about letter writing and the way that all would work, and we're going to go over it, of course, today. So one of the biggest misconceptions is that Paul wrote alone. Mm, you know, there's the image here of like Paul sitting, maybe he's penning Romans and he, he writes something and he, he sits back and he's like, stops for a little bit and he puts his head back down. He writes some more or he's like, what, what did you say? Jesus, where did I forget the comma? Ha, there are no commas. It's written in Greek, right? The punctuation. Anyway. Um, yes. This idea of, Paul sitting back and just kind of writing these letters on his own. Hmm. So we're going to do a Bible trivia right here. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you questions. One of my, one of the favorite, one of your favorite things. Yeah, it's like my favorite thing in the world. Totally can tell by your face. You're loving Mm -hmm. this. Uh, Who wrote the book of Romans? 
<laughs> Why are you covering the answer? <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote the Book of Romans? Uh, I don't know. Most people would say Paul, right? Right. But if you, this is kind of like a Bible nerd trivia. It's like, even like when you tell people the answer, they're like, oh my God, okay, whatever. So we're going to go to Romans. Romans 16. Romans 16, verse 22. It says, I, Thetius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. So it's like, ha! Paul did not write Romans. Some dude named Tertius. Not Tertius, honey. Ter Tertius. <laughs> Ter Tertius. Tertius. Uh -huh. Someone named Tertius. <laughs> he was from Mexico, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> and you know, it, it's it's kind of snarky, and then some people roll their eyes and go like, "Okay, yes, Paul occasionally, you know, hired a scribe." who did his writing. It was basically like dictating into a microphone or a word processor. I guess no one really uses word processor mm -hmm. or a computer, right? Mm -hmm. All right, it's, it's just like Paul was using a pen except the pen was a human being, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And it misunderstands uh, the way these things were written. Paul wrote in a team. Um, if you think about the way most television programs and the most yes. movies coming come into yeah come into existence uh -huh. there's not a writer in a room there's a writer's room there's yeah. a whole bunch of people yeah. right there's a team yes. and if you go through the ending of paul's letters he usually says who's with him he's like this is my team right mm -hmm. so if you can imagine they're like okay we have a problem here and uh you know in uh, ephesus we need to deal with this problem how are we going to do this here timothy what do you got Titus, what do you got for me? Ideas, people, ideas, people. No idea is a bad idea. Let's spitball here. Probably wasn't like that. Uh, but, in, you know, parchments were very expensive. Mm -hmm. Hiring a scribe was very expensive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's possible Paul had somebody with him who had that ability, mm -hmm. right? He had a lot of very well-educated people with him. So he might've had a permanent member of his staff. Uh, but even if it wasn't a permanent member, like this one seems like it was someone like he knew. Because he was kind of like, hey, guys, what's up? <laughs> it's me, your old buddy, Tortilla. Uh, Tertius, sorry. <laughs> Tertius. I, I can't really pronounce it. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know? Anyway. So you got to imagine a room, a whole bunch of people. This would have taken place over many days, possibly even many weeks. They were all mm -hmm. sitting there. They usually had something in, um, you know, anyone who really knows anything about the way they used to write letters. Uh, I think you can even get these today. They had things called like wax tablets that you could mm, you could write in i looked that up <laughs> and then you could like it was almost like the whiteboard of today right or like a piece of charcoal or or other like cheaper writing material yeah. so it's possible that you know multiple drafts or different sections were kind of hanging around in the room mm. and you can even see it in some of paul's letters it even looks like he copied and pasted from like different sections of his letters it reminds me of this recent netflix we just watched uh, the professor and, and the madman uh -huh. yeah yeah when and they were writing the uh, dictionary uh, the whole team yeah mm -hmm. i love that dictionary that's my favorite dictionary is it like nerdy to have like be a fanboy of dictionaries if you live in your zone i love this the nerdy zone. i love that oxford english dictionary oh, it's so intense it's amazing <laughs> the unabridged version Ooh la la. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just saw you with a like, glass of wine <laughs> <laughs> in your library. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I love those volumes. Um, yeah, so he would have been with a whole team. It would have yeah. 
probably looked similar to that, except you know you wouldn't have paper because paper was not invented yet. You had papyrus or uh, vellum, which is like a leather. Like all that stuff is very like, you know, even if you think about leather itself, right? You have to like kill something to get it, right? Mm-hmm. And go through this whole process. Papyrus, uh, you know, again, something that would take time. These, these materials are very expensive. If he was hiring the scribe, that would have, you know, that would have also cost a lot of money. You know, it'd be, I think, equivalent to like, I think in today's dollars, it would have been like a few thousand dollars to like write a letter. So you wouldn't be like, you know, just doing this, whatever. And, you know, the, the scribe, the team. So there's like a whole team of people who were sitting there. And, you know, there's a lot of resistance to this. A lot of people don't like this theory. They're like, no, we don't care the way letters actually used to be written. It was definitely Paul in a room. God was like, you spelled that wrong. (laughs) You might want to use a different adverb, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, Why would, why is that troublesome for some people? It's troublesome because, you know, the whole idea of inerrancy, uh, the Bible is a book that's divinely authored. And even though there's a human author, it's really God. These are God's words. People don't really like the idea of there being a whole bunch of nameless nobodies mm-hmm. in that work. And like, what do you, like, you know, I think it's very uncomfortable for Christians when they hear that at the first time that this, like any other piece of writing must have gone through multiple drafts, you know? Uh, Paul was definitely trying to draft it and, and craft, craft it. it. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I did it. I did it. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, but that's what that's what Paul was that's doing. my hashtag, you honey. Know? Hashtag. Drafted and crafted goals. Hashtag blessed. Uh, but that's what they that's what they were doing right there were there must have been multiple versions mm-hmm. of romans you know like and and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. people have i uh they have problems with this idea of this co-creating mob that will never know who they are wrote this and it was a process but when i really think about it and i think about the way even god tends to do things in the bible it does seem like god tends to like to work in communities yeah right and i think sometimes we we take that away because we have this idea of God where he's like all powerful, all knowing. So why would he even need anybody? He doesn't need anybody, but regardless of whether or not God needs anybody, he definitely likes to work with people. He doesn't like working alone in his ivory tower. He likes having a team, right? Yeah. Yeah. And even in today's famous authors everybody gets so much credit to the author right there's an editor absolutely there's a publisher yep. i mean there's a whole team behind yeah. that so uh it's uh yeah this this i i love to use uh in my class you know even martha king Ooh, what a great speech mm-hmm. he had a team he had a team who drafted and crafted to perfect that speech yep that inspire our country and the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in some ways this explains a lot too, because I don't know if you're aware, but some of the letters of Paul are called disputed. Mm. So I took one class in the letters of Paul uh, from, I think it was a free class. I think it was one of the Yale classes on edX. And they were very much like, no, there's only like four authentic letters of Paul. Everything else was written like hundreds of years later. You know, now I'm in seminary, I'm in a hermeneutics class, and I happen actually to be in the same section where we're learning how to, they're, they're talking about epistles, okay. right? Letters of Paul. And they're like, no, all of these were definitely written by Paul. 
that's this is what most scholars think. And in a Yale class, it was like, well, most scholars think that it's only four, three or four are authentic. And you know, the idea of it being written by a team mm -hmm. makes more sense to me while some of the letters stylistically in Greek would have been very, very different depending on who was the team, who were the people in the room? Because he wasn't always in the room with the same people, those changed. And even if he used different scribes, those, those different scribes probably had different styles in their own writing. You know, just like a piece of writing from me or you is very different, mm -hmm. you know? Yours is more fun. <laughs> at least according to Grammarly.com. And they said, mine is more stuck up. Yeah. <laughs> like, who do you think you are? Anyway. I love the feedback from Grammarly. Do you? I do. They're okay. <laughs> Sometimes Grammarly doesn't get me, people. Uh, so yeah, the idea that Paul wrote alone, we can kind of flush that one down the toilet, never probably really happened, you know. Um, it was most likely with the group, maybe with the letter we look at today, maybe that one could have conceivably just been written with by him and a few other people, but we'll see. Um, you've got mail. So I think we think of letters as coming in the mail, right? It's like, oh, look, I got, I got, I got mail. We hope, because, you know, we do have a, a business. We hope it's checks, mm -hmm. right? Not bills, mm -hmm. right? All not that, workers comp. Not workers <laughs> comp or anything, right? We, we want it. We want the cheddars. Wow. So we want the checks, right? But there's this idea of like, so there is a male woman, right? Mm -hmm. She's awesome, by a the way. A male person. Oh I don't know. Gosh, we love. I don't want to be offending. No, it's a male woman. She's a male woman. She's really cool. Um, my wife is much better with people than I am. When I see her, I'm just usually like, "Hi, hello." <laughs> my wife's like, "Hey, what's up?" And I see them chit chatting like they're they're old buddies from like Peru or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so there's a male woman, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we don't actually have to have any contact with her at all to receive our mail. Okay. The mail just comes. Right. And while there was a official, my understanding at least is that there was an official uh, system of mail in the Roman empire. It was only for like official business and it was only for like usually military purposes mm -hmm. or you know, to, to the different governors whatever they call themselves. Um, it wasn't something that the normal person had access to. Um, and it did actually function very similar to this informal system of mail that we have today. So if you wanted to deliver a letter, you can maybe ask a ship captain to, hey, take this letter to somebody. Huh. Uh, you could ask maybe if somebody was making deliveries of like goods and services to different cities, hey, could you take some letters for me too? Uh, but more commonly, if you actually wanted people to receive those letters, you had to give it to somebody who was trusted. Right. Somebody had to actually take that letter and then go to the people and deliver it. Yeah. Now, when you're dealing with normal people, right? And even if you're dealing with, you know, very powerful people, this might be a shock to many people hearing this, but reading and writing was not something that was always uh, considered very important. Mm -hmm. It's only actually relatively recently that, you know, reading and writing is, is kind of seen like, oh my goodness, you can't read. Oh my goodness, you can't write. Like, right. Like we have to fix that. Like, you know, oh, we're, we're combating illiteracy. And it's, it is important. I love to be able to read. I love to be able to write. I probably read better than I listen or talk to people. So I no, enjoy- You're a great listener. Thank you. I receive that. I oh, receive okay. that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I received that. I received oh, it. No, that was a terrible impression. Sorry, totally. sorry Steve. Um, His name is Sean. Oh, sorry. Who's Steve? 
as a Sean Stevenson. Oh, his last name is Stevenson. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, 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 Shawnee. Um. Anyway, so there would have been a person who would have taken this letter, mm-hmm. right? And so not everybody who was actually going to receive your letter could read and write. Mm-hmm. So if you were important enough, you had someone there, like a dedicated scribe who could right. read things for you, you know, but that was expensive if you were just doing like a one-off shot, like, hey, read this to me. So typically whoever was carrying that letter would be in charge of reading that letter to the people who you wanted it delivered to. You mentioned that in one of the episodes. Yeah. And, and they will answer some questions. In yes. Any. They were also there mm-hmm. to give interpretation. Mm-hmm. So they were most likely in the room while it was being written up. Mm-hmm. Like th- their feedback was there. They were very, very intimately connected with whatever contents were of that letter. Yeah. So these were very, very important people. And we think many of these letters, especially the ones that got preserved, like the ones that we have in our Bible, they were circulated through many, many different cities. So even it, even though like, for instance, the letter of Ephesians, right, was probably actually not even sent to the Ephesians. It, would, it kind of just circulated in that little valley that, oh, yeah. that Ephesus had happened to be a part of, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we found the surviving copy of that letter in Ephesus. So we call it the letter yeah. to the Ephesians, but it was have probably, told, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Have you told them about the Ephesians class? I think we have, right? What, um, which Ephesians class? Uh, Tim's class. Oh, Tim Mackey's class. Yeah, because I, I still have the map in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, really a, that's cool. a good one. That's a good one. Um, yeah, you can go to Bible Project Classroom, and they don't have that class up anymore. But you can ask. You can go to their support page and ask for it. I think, and they'll they'll give you the link. It's just not accessible just generally on their site, but it's still up there. We're cool. taking it right now. It's great. Yeah. Um, so there, there's that idea. So. For instance, we're gonna we're gonna talk about one today. This this one's kind of caused some problems. Okay. Romans has kind of caused some problems. <laughs> I know everyone thinks of it as the gospel of grace, but it has caused some problems. In Romans 16, verses one to two, I commend to you our sister. I, won't, I always want to say Phoebe, but I think it's pronounced Phoebe. Like from friends. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was actually thinking about putting a picture of her up here, like. <laughs> Smelly running, cat, smelly running, cat. Running, remember she was running in Central Park? No. Yeah, there's a there's one episode with that. I mean, oh, wow. yeah. Didn't you stop watching Friends because you're like, I need to get actual friends. <laughs> yeah. That is Patty. All right. Mm-hmm. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Centra. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Mm-hmm. So Phoebe, who is uh, a woman, a sister, right? <laughs> yeah. It's funny because the NIV translated translates her, I commend you, our sister, Phoebe, a servant. <gasps> but if you look at the bottom of the NIV, mm-hmm. 1984, I'm glad that they did this. It says, or deaconess. Nice. So this woman, at least according to Paul, was uh, an important figure. Yeah. A leader, mm-hmm. right? of the church and you know she would most likely be responsible for reading this letter mm-hmm. um and then she would probably have some type of q a where people be like wait wait, wait 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 what does paul mean about this and she'd be like oh well what paul meant was are you sure yeah, yeah, yeah i was there i was mm-hmm. i was with them while they were writing it i'm sure um you know so this has caused some problems <laughs> yep. for people because you know like 
they we can makes me feel uncomfortable makes me feel uncomfortable <laughs> you know and i'm not i think um in that ephesians class of tim Mackey, he does a better job as he says of setting the table mm. i'm going to kind of just throw the hand grenade okay you know we tend to take little pieces of paul mm-hmm. like you know a woman sh- a woman should remain silent right you know uh without considering the broader context of how paul actually practically treated women right you know and here we see a woman who is in a position of leadership um and just kind of as as an interesting aside this is something that was kept from people for many many years um let me find it this one i love oh greet and dronicus and junius my relatives who have been in prison with me they are outstanding among the apostles and they were in christ before i was so he's naming these two people that that paul is saying are apostles and for, for many many years the name junia or junius was translated into a male name wow and that's actually a female name hmm. so at least according to paul there's a woman who's among the apostles like what mm. oh, this is making me so uncomfortable <laughs> not really i'm fine with it um but yeah you have to you're under- a feminist yeah and like my, my favorite is uh Tychius of the letter carriers he's kind of like he shows up in a whole that bunch of like places tequila. what's T- up with tortilla and tequila <laughs> there's tortilla and tequila <laughs> you know they're big you know but he's he's mentioned in acts he's mentioned mm. in ephesians 6 21 Colossians 4, 7, he's kind of like someone who, you know, Paul would kind of send him uh, to these places, you know, because some people have said, okay, so Phoebe delivered a letter, what does that mean? Doesn't mean anything. So what people have gone is like, well, let's examine what letter writers were actually supposed, what Paul thinks they did, right? Right. Letter carriers, sorry, not letter writers, what they actually did. And so in Ephesians 6, 21, now, so that you also may know about my circumstances as to what I am doing, Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful servant of the Lord, will make everything known to you. So he was going to you know, fill them in, maybe teach a class on Paul's missionary journeys. No, I'm kidding. Probably it was no class. It's just like, <laughs> this is what's Paul doing. He got some ingestion, hit some bad fish. It's been great, guys. God's doing so much. Sounds like a dude in California. Yeah. And here again in Colossians 4, 7, as to all my affairs, Tychius, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bond servant in the Lord will bring you information. So another reason why this is good to talk about is because these letter carriers provided the historical cultural context or the situational context that we no longer have for these letters. Mm. This would have been invaluable information Mm. that we just don't have access to we just we don't know we don't know what was going on Mm. we don't know the context surrounding we can guess at it we can try and reconstruct it but we'll never really know for sure so the letters are different than the gospels Um, even with the gospels it's good to know a whole bunch of stuff when you're going into them but the gospels do try and supply some of that context when the gospels feel like it's appropriate right the letters they don't care Mm -hmm. it's like there's an inside joke Mm -hmm. and they're assuming that you're uh you're in on it Mm -hmm. you know you're still mad because jeffrey and i have an inside joke yes i'm mad (laughs) why don't you just tell me what the inside joke is i told you after graduation we will tell you (sighs) anyway (laughs) we're in this class called and lifted. My wife's like an lifted level 67 coach or 
three. Oh, whatever the number goes up to. She's high, <laughs> right? It's like having your wife be a black belt and you're still a white belt. Anyway. You have the cutest white belt. I am extremely cute. <laughs> so that's something you need to just keep that in mind mm-hmm. as you go into Paul's letters. Sounds good. You know? Another common misconception was that Paul knew he was creating scripture, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they take They take a line from Peter where Peter kind of seems to compare uh, Paul's writings with the rest of scripture, right? As well as his own. And people have taken that to me. Well, Paul obviously knew what he was doing. Um, But if he did that, if that's what he was trying to do, objectively, he did a terrible job because the letters are not good in terms of like understanding what what you should be understanding. If all you had were the letters of Paul, you you wouldn't know what to do you'd be Mm -hmm. like you'd be a mess Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) you know um he most likely didn't think that he was writing scriptures i i think personally if he traveled forward in time and he saw the way we use the scriptures Mm -hmm. he would have been like oh wow i would have let i would have left you guys something better (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know no no i mean can you imagine someone finding your emails or finding your journals and thousands of years from now, you find out that they built a religion mm. around those journals. Mm. You know, that'd be that'd be crazy to you, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's that idea of just like, you know, I think most people approach Paul as like, well, he was like the most prolific church builder. Mm. You know, and we throw around terms like that. And we actually don't know because yeah. we there's there's more that we don't know about the first century church including the time that paul was around and you know doing his thing then we do know we know much much we we know much much less than what we know we know what we know is only like a drop of a drop Mm -hmm. of a bucket or even an ocean right right um so most likely the reason that paul never sat down was like okay let me write something here is because in paul's mind something had already been written you know what that is? The gospel? No, the Old Testament. Oh, duh. Because Paul wrote before there was a gospel, before there were the four gospels. Paul's writings are the earliest writings that we have hmm. from Christianity. So there were no gospels. The gospels came later, probably after Paul was already gone. Hmm. Okay. Right? Um, so it's like, and I think in Paul's mind, he's like, yeah, you have the story of Jesus and that fulfills the story of what he would call, I guess the Hebrew scriptures, or you call them the Tanakh, whatever he called them, mm-hmm. right? The prophets, Moses, prophets, and the writings, right? Uh, and that was that was it. There was there was no need. There was no need for anything else. Why would I do that? Because um, he's always referencing these stories and these texts. You know, he's not doesn't really seem the doesn't really see the need for anything new. Right. 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 You know, and uh, I like to think of the example of a, a generational ship problem in sci-fi. Okay, I don't know what that is. <laughs> there's like there's there's like a thought experiment that if you could imagine a generational ship, okay. you know what a generational ship is. Yeah. I guess because you're not a nerd. So the idea is that the stars are so far away from us that to get there with current technology, it would take generations. So people would like live and die on the ship. That'd be the only home they ever know. So there, there's an idea floating around. I don't know if anyone's ever done it uh, justice in like 
an actual work of literature. I think there's an actual idea from like Warhammer, which is like video games and stuff like that, where the idea is that the care and maintenance of the ship, people forgot the reason why they were doing things. Mm-hmm. So let's say you had to change like a, a core of a nuclear reactor. It's a very dangerous thing to do, okay. but it's something that needs to be done so you can still have a nuclear reactor on your ship. The, the, the thought of experiment is imagining there's a group of people who are still keeping the ship running, but they don't realize they're on a ship. They don't realize that there's a mission. Mm-hmm. They're, they've ritualized basic maintenance, <laughs> like basic things in engineering. And they're doing this stuff without really understanding why they're doing it because that world is lost to them they they're just doing it and they're not understanding what they're doing it and so i think you can approach paul in a way that's very similar where you can like forget that he was writing to a world that no longer exists Hmm. a world that quite frankly we know very very little about and when paul seems to be setting down things like this is the church i'm establishing for all time we maybe should take a step back and be like well Maybe he wasn't because if he was trying to do that, he did a terrible job, (laughs) Hmm. you know, and it seems to be situational. Paul's instructions seem to change depending on who he's writing to. Right. You gave some examples in previous uh, episodes. Yeah. It's like greet everybody with a holy kiss. Hmm. Like imagine going into church next time you go and like, just start kissing everybody. Mm -hmm. See how that goes. You know, or the things about Paul was really up, concerned about people's hairstyles, mm-hmm. right? I think in one of the Corinthians, right? He like who's who has long hair and who has short hair and who needs to cover their their hair because of the angels. It's just like what, <laughs> what? Whatever he was thinking, we have no idea. You know, we're assuming it made sense to the people at the time, but even they were probably like, what? Like Phoebe, what, what does he mean? <laughs> you know, or whoever was carrying the letter, uh, tortilla, tequila. Sorry, tequila. Tequila. What do you? What do you? What did, what did Paul mean? You know, like there, we've lost a lot of historical context. You know, and I think as Christians, the temptation is to pick and choose mm-hmm. the really weird ones. Like you can't, you know, don't braid your hair and don't wear jewelry, right? We, we tend to be like, oh, that was. <laughs> That was just cultural, right? right but then the right. ones that also might have been cultural, like for instance, like or or specific, like women can't lead, right. women can't speak, right. you know, like we're just like, oh no, 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 those, those, count. those are true. That's <laughs> what Paul would want, right. and it's like you know, Paul was not trying to set up, you know, practical theology. He wasn't trying to set lay down systematic theology, and I, I put a picture yeah, here at the picture. of stormtroopers <laughs> because the thing about stormtroopers is that they're all the same mm. it's empire building sure right. so if paul was coming to build an empire right if that's what jesus wanted to do was build an empire uh then yeah you can maybe go into the letters of paul and be like okay let me let me try and be exactly the church that paul and jesus want me to be hmm. right but paul's not giving us practical uh theology most of most, if not all, of Paul's practical instructions need to be couched in its historical, cultural context. There's a time and there's a place. Without a Greco-Roman Jewish world of the first century, most of his practical, I'm doing the air quotes, mm-hmm. applications, they basically just fall apart. It is more useful in a practical sense to explore how Paul, right, applied the gospel 
to the culture that existed in his day and use that as a guiding light on how we will apply the gospel in our own historical context, right? It's learning to color with all of the crayons. Oh, I love that picture. Right? It's unity mm-hmm. mattered most, not negation of knowledge, <laughs> uniformity, yes. right? It's, it was about being unified, but that didn't mean we needed to all be the same. If you can imagine as a kid, right? Imagine taking our niece and nephew and telling them, hey, guess what? You're going to be able to draw and color for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> They're little, right? They'd be yeah. so excited. They'd be pumped. Yeah, I love the color. Yeah. I'm going to color some stuff. Yeah. And he's like, the only problem is you can only use wow. one color. Oh, like one color at a time? No, one color for the rest of your life. Wow. That would be like a version of hell. Yeah. Right? That'd Pretty be much. terrible. Pretty That'd much. be terrible. How could you do that? Right? Uh, but that's not what Paul was was getting at, right? Mm-hmm. Paul was applying the gospel, right? The story of the gospel, the fulfillment of that Jewish story to a world that A, no longer exists and to different situational contexts, right? His letters are quite different from Romans to Corinthians, to Ephesians, to Colossians, to Galatians. There were, there were differences. Go eat popcorn. Yes, very good. Galatians, <laughs> Ephesians. <laughs> Philippians and Galoshes. You did it backwards, but okay. <laughs> did I? Yes, go eat popcorn. Relations? Yeah, you started, you went there with, hey, it's okay. Anyway. Did I? Oh, well. You're good, honey. All right, cool. So this is kind of the secret sauce too, to understanding all of Paul's writings. Okay. Um, Paul is not, the point of Paul is not to learn what to do. Mm-hmm. It's not to take that one little line and be like well this is it it's not to pull out your little pieces so you can prove your theological points the whole point of paul is bringing everything together right right paul was trying to and usually it was the jews and the gentiles because this is a very very early christian movement it was the jews who you know approached things one way the pagans who were converts to the jesus jesus movement who approached things the other way and how to bring them all together. Because yeah. to Paul, that was the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You know, even things that you would you would never think a Jew of his day to be like, ah, whatever, like the Sabbath. Ah, do it if you want. <laughs> right. But this thing where we all come together and like there's no Jew or Greek, there's yeah. no slave or free, you, we can't stop that. Right. That's no, no, I'll, I, I will fight you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, circumcision, Sabbath, don't do it, mm-hmm. you know? I think the Sabbath was kind of optional. If you wanted to do it, it was fine. But, you know, no snip, snip, no circumcision <laughs> for, for the Gentiles, right? Uh, you don't need to do it. Don't do it. Uh, that the, the point was never to make the world Jewish, right. right? The point was to bring the world back together. Unity, not uniformity, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. He was trying to bring into the world and keep intact the communities he had started and what Jesus had already done on the cross hmm. jesus had already done it yeah. right ephesians 2 i'm gonna do it go for it going for it ephesians 2 verse 14 for he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh 
the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in his one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. And you can see this in the Gospels too, because you have the Romans and you have the Jews, Mm -hmm. right? And in the middle of them is Jesus. Mm -hmm. You have these two symbolic, you know, portraits of the world, a world broken in two, God's chosen people in the world, right? At odds with each other. Mm -hmm. And there's Jesus in the middle and Jesus brings them together. Jesus brings that peace, you know, and Paul is picking up on that stuff as well, you know. That's a cool picture. Yeah, it's a cool picture. And uh, I use this to illustrate sola scripture, Mm -hmm. which means scripture alone, Mm -hmm. right? So most Protestants probably if you ask them to be like, oh yeah, like just just the Bible. That's all all I need. (laughs) You think I need anything else? Oh, no, 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 no. Just me and my Bible. I'm good. You know, if you go and talk to a Catholic, they might be like, mm, what about the Deuterocanonical books? Mm-hmm. And a Protestant will be like, you mean the Apocrypha? <laughs> no one takes those seriously, right? Or you go to an Ethan or- Ethern- Ether? Eastern Orthodox mm-hmm. and they have additional books, mm. right? I think like the Shepherd of Hamas is one of them, right? And, you know, so yeah. But this idea that, Sola scripture, we must remember that we are missing most, if not all, the historical cultural context that we need to properly place many of the things Paul says into context. It's like looking at a picture, you can kind of, or a sculpture, see here half of the person is missing. Yeah. So you can, you can tell it's a person, mm-hmm. but you can't tell, like, do they have a beer gut? Do they, <laughs> do they have abs? You know, is he wearing a belt? You know, there's things is he does he have actual hand yeah you know it's his right hand right so mm. is he wearing a watch yeah. you know like what's going on <laughs> we're missing that context so your brain is filling in that context yeah with whatever it is you're bringing to the table and we do the same thing with paul you know we're missing a lot with paul which is why much person approach him so carefully and i'm going to give you a classic example of why we have to treat him very carefully because Paul was not only aware of just what we would call the Hebrew Bible. He was also aware of something else. What's that? It's called the Midrash, I think. (laughs) It's really hard to get your your head around the whole thing. They're basically all of these ancient commentaries that the Jews over their years have written about the scriptures. So you have the, the Tanakh, the Torah, the prophets and the writings. Mm-hmm. And then you have this whole library basically of, en- of encyclopedias and commentaries about all this. And it goes back thousands of years. Okay. It almost kind of like existed with it. And there's one very strange story. Okay. The story goes like this. It's during the time of the Exodus. You're looking at me like you're panicking a little bit, but I'm gonna go for it. Time of the Exodus. Okay. Moses struck a rock and the water came out. Remember okay. the story when they first were like, they were like, oh, we're thirsty. And God's like, go hit the rock. He was like, ah. He did like a Fonzie and the water came out, mm-hmm. right? Well, where did they get water for the rest of their journey? I don't know. Well, they had the same problem. So they said, oh, what, what must have happened is that Moses and the Jews cut that rock out of the mountain. They put it on a cart. And then every morning, 
Moses's sister would sing to the rock and then out would come the water. And that's how they would get their water. All right. So this seems like a really weird, bizarre story, right? Mm -hmm. But if you go to 1 Corinthians 10, um, in verse one, it says, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and they were all passed through the sea. So we're in Exodus territory here, right? They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Mm. So when you go into your Bible and you look for that, which I did. What did I'm, you just read? I read uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verses 1 through 5. Okay. When, when you're a nerd like me and you go through and you're like looking for that rock in, in uh, the Old Testament, you, you won't find it. Because it doesn't exist in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Old Testament. It exists in the Midrash. It's a story. So Paul was actually very, very Jewish. <laughs> surprise, surprise. He was a rabbi of a capital R. He never stopped being Jewish. He never converted to Christianity. He never, you know, stopped. Okay, I'm not, I'm not a Jew anymore. Now I'm a Christian, right? That almost sounds like a song. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was very much a Jew, very much a rabbi. And he was very much uh, in touch with these conversations that were happening around the Hebrew scriptures, which I think today would call the Midrash, whatever he called it. So Paul was aware of this story. So you have to remember that as well, as you go into Paul, there, there are all these other things that are kind of surrounding the whole thing that you have to take into account when you're reading it. So that sounds really overwhelming to do. <laughs> How am I going to do that on my own? Um, well, we're going we're gonna to do it today a little bit. Um, we're going to go into filet mignon actually Philemon. Mm -hmm. That's my, my joke. Um, it's the shortest letter of Paul. It's just barely a page, you know, we're going to just read it together and we're going to talk about it. You know, this is kind of like an occasional letter Paul wrote, um, okay. you know, he wrote it to a specific person. This isn't even a city. And it's very interesting that we actually have this because we don't, this is the only letter that we have of Paul that's not written to like big groups of people. But it does seem to be widely circulated because it survived. Mm -hmm. uh, there's lots of copies of it. So this is something that was, you know, people really liked it. They resonated with it. So we're going to read it today and see if we can use this to kind of teach us about how to read Paul. Okay. Ready? Okay. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. To Apia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord, Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith and all, hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you, my son, for my son Onesimus 
who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me and even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Ephraim, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be with your spirit. So that's the whole letter. So let's talk about it. Okay. So the letter has two things that are common in all of Paul's letters as a prescript and a postscript. He has a greeting and he has a conclusion, mm-hmm. right? In the greeting, he usually says who he is. He gives his credentials, you know, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, who's with me, Timothy, our brother. He's, that's kind of the opening. Mm-hmm. Who is his address to? To Philemon, our dear friend, right? And it kind of goes through other people who might've been in the same community, same house church, whatever. Grace to you and peace from God, some type of blessing. Mm-hmm. Our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he kind of goes into a Thanksgiving prayer, very common in ancient letters. Mm-hmm. And then when he ends, he ends with like, you know, who, who's with him? Some people want to say hi. <laughs> right. Here are the people with me. And in the center is kind of like the meat right. of, of what he wants. So I think if I was going to write this letter and it's about an escaped slave named Onesimus, we don't know what Onesimus did. We can kind of reconstruct a little bit of it from the letter, but we know that there was a slave who did something to wrong somebody who owned him. Mm-hmm. And Paul, you know, converted him to the way, you know, got, got to know Jesus through it. Um, and now Paul wants to keep Onesimus because Onesimus has been a big help to him. But in order to do that, he has to set things right first. So he's going to send Onesimus back to his former master, hoping that his master will not only free him, but treat him as a brother, treat him as a family member. Right. Right. I think if I was going to write this, I'd be like, hey, found your your slave. Can you please free him? (laughs) He wants to come work for me and and help everything. Right. But that's that's not what Paul does. Paul goes into a whole big logical argument. For one thing, for one purpose. So some things that jump out at me that I think can be taken out of context that I've used out of context and I've, I've heard said out of context. 
Um, I pray in verse six, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And so I think a modern evangelical or, you know, church of Christ person hears that and says, yeah, sharing my faith is going to make me have more knowledge of God. I'm not going to be able to understand what I, what I'm doing here. If I'm not telling people about Jesus, and that means I have to go invite people to church. I have to go invite people to events. I have to sit down and study the Bible with them. And I have to baptize them. Right. I have decided. Sorry. Uh, but is that what's really happening here? And when you read the whole letter, again, you're seeing a same theme. And this, the letter of Philemon kind of stands apart from all of others of Paul's letters because he, he, there's something that's conspicuously absent. And that's the cross. Mm. There's no mention of the cross of Jesus and what that did. But in a sense, it's all over this letter because you have a slave and you have a master. And Paul is kind of stepping into the role of Jesus there. And he's trying to bring these two people together. And he's not even bringing them together to, you know, because slaves were considered people's property to, re to right a wrong, right? That was considered legal at the time. What he's doing is he's bringing two people together and it's like their full restoration. It's, it's a full reconciliation. Not only is the slate going to be cleared, but they're going to be like they're part of the same family, God's family. And so the cross of Christ is actually there in the pages, but instead of stated explicitly, right. Paul kind of like, you know, goes around the corner to do the same thing with his example. So to me, sharing your faith is doing like that. It's not just using your words. Right. It's not just getting someone in it's the water. It's not saying you're a Christian, but being a Christian. Yeah, it's bringing the world back together. It's mm -hmm. it's stepping in to Jesus's place and being like a co-creator with him, mm -hmm. being a co-worker with him mm -hmm. and helping to bring, you know, people back together mm -hmm. to kind of demolish those things that separated them, slave master, right? And bring that all together. So to me, that's very interesting because I remember I used to have that, scripture on like a little index card mm -hmm. that I, you know, had to memorize. Mm -hmm. And it was something to remind me that when I didn't want to share my faith with people, but I wanted a full knowledge of God. And the only way I can get that is I have to do this, mm -hmm. you know, I, it didn't even matter if I was creating any actual good in the world. Right. I just needed to open my mouth. Right. right? Where Paul I almost feel like would disagree with me at that point. Mm -hmm. And he would be like, no, 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 no. You're missing the point. It's about, it's about this. It's about bringing all these things together. This is what made Christianity so radical. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, that's a kind of a cool way to get introduced to Paul is going through the letter of Philemon, uh, looking at some stuff. You know, I think some of the language is, is a little like odd when you forget that there's a historical cultural context here. It's like, oh, I could order you, but I'm not, I'm gonna appeal to you out of love. <laughs> How would that go if I was like, hey, honey, uh, I wanna go out on a date with you and I could order you <laughs> to come on a date with me because I am your husband mm -hmm. and we are legally bound together. Mm -hmm. You have done that before. <laughs> I have? What have I done that? <laughs> When you snap your little fingers. I what? 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 What, what was? 
I, I don't even know how to snap. He's a boss little short guy. I'm a bossy little short guy. <laughs> but you know, we would we'd probably get in more fights than we we currently get in. If yeah. I I was like, you know, Patty. I know you're kidding. So I could I could order you around here, but I'm gonna appeal to love the love <laughs> that you're supposed to have for me. You know, in, in Paul's point of view, it's like, oh, because you know, you owe me your very self anyway. You know, I think people have read this and they've interpreted a form of leadership here that it's like a very top-down sort of leadership. Mm. Like if I'm going to lead like Paul, people need to know that they owe me their very selves because I preach the gospel to them because mm. I saved them from hell, mm. you know? And I think we have to, we forget that Paul was dealing with what, you know, historians have called an honor-shame culture. It was kind of baked into the cake of Roman society and really most of the world. Someone's honor was everything. Mm. So if you insulted someone's honor, even like during the time of the founding of our country, there was an honor shame culture. So if you insulted my honor or my family's honor, you know, there needed to be restitution. Mm. We needed to have a fight, you know, muskets at dawn, you know, 10 paces, turn and shoot, mm-hmm. you know, or okay. cross sabers, <laughs> you know, hot too bad. Why are you smiling? <laughs> you do not know. I am actually not left-handed. <laughs> Why are you smiling? Because you don't know that I am actually not left-handed. Da-da-da-da. Anyway. He's a Prince's Bride fan, people. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Unashamed. I knew that when he told me, as you wish. As you wish. <laughs> she knocked me down the cliff. Right? But when we try to make decisions about church culture, based on a culture that doesn't exist anymore and might have not been the best culture arguably that was ever has ever been created on the face of the earth we missed the point i don't think the point here is top-down leadership the point here is bringing things together and paul was applying the gospel to a specific cultural historical context that doesn't exist so does that mean the book of Philemon is not applicable to my life. Not at all. It's just now, how are we like Paul going to take the story of the gospel, the story of the new humanity, story of bringing the world together, Jesus' ultimate victory over death and sin, and how are we going to make that applicable to our own lives? How are the ways that we can move into our communities and to our families and create unity, not uniformity? We don't need all, we don't need, all need to be the same thing, right. but how can we create unity uh, with our lives and with our words. And that for me is our short little trip into the letters of Paul. Thank you, honey. Yeah. Thank you for the one episode journey into one of Paul's letter, uh, and then breaking down, um, so many things to, uh, realize. And I, and I love that the use drafted and crafted that, that example, <laughs> It, it's true till today. Uh, it's really more myth. We think it's an overnight success or someone just gets founded at the mall and all this and we forget what really goes behind and the work that goes behind everything else. And yes, next episode is our very last episode of our one year commitment of making this podcast. Uh, we will most likely be chatting 
about what it will be a next project if um we'll be coming out monthly weekly and what what does it look like for daily the i think we had no. floated around <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of 2021 so as always adios muchachas and greetings from my friend burrito and muchachos